It's time for Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industry's podcast. Industry Towers editorial staff leverages our extensive network of industry sources to provide thorough reporting, pinpoint trends, and arm you with the knowledge needed to thrive in your career. And here's your host, Inside Towers managing editor, Jim Fryer. And welcome to Tower Talks. Like the man said, I'm Jim Fryer, and we welcome you to what is now our 20th podcast since we began this past January. I won't lie, there's been a learning curve as an old newspaper guy like myself gets familiar with this new medium, but we're getting better at it as our listenership apparently keeps growing, so that's fantastic. It's a great way to reach out to all of you on the road or traveling, whether you're on Spotify or iTunes, and where you might not have time to to read our daily newsletter. Anyway, to celebrate our 20th podcast, we have managed to corral one of the busiest and sharpest market analysts in the business, Ms. Jennifer Fritchie, Managing Director of Wells Fargo Securities. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you, Jim, for having me. I know we've had a few stops and starts to finally get this interview in. Yes, uh, yes, yes, we have. Like, we, we met at the Mobile World Congress in LA a few weeks ago and had some bad acoustics. Lack of earphones was another issue. After that, uh, somebody had a child's Halloween party at school to attend to. And, and finally, last Friday morning, we were going to do this again. And there's an act of God, a tornado tore through our area here in uh, near Philadelphia, which doesn't happen very often. But it turned out that uh, I was out of power all weekend. So that's, that's a fun way to spend a weekend. But we are finally here. Yes, we are. Good. And you didn't get to see my bears lose to your eagles. Uh, yes. <laughs> we're, we're we happy. won't talk about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we could, but no, I, we, we won't. Um, so you are going to be headed down to Washington, D.C. pretty soon. Is that correct? I actually just got back last night. I participated in a 5G um, conference yesterday in D.C. and then met with some Spectrum experts in the area. So it was great use of time, but I got back last night and now have to barrel through about seven earnings this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're coming. They come fast and furious uh, this, this four times a year, I guess. Huh? Yes, that's right. <laughs> we try to stay on top of it too, but I can can imagine the efforts you put in to, to try to analyze all of that and, and uh, get some clarity on, on all this. But we certainly appreciate what you do for the tower industry. And, and uh, our focus obviously is, is on on, on that and on the big three, Crown, American, SBAL announced uh, recently their, their third quarter statements. So let's, uh, let's go over those. Sure. I mean, I think there was not a lot of surprises in these reports. All of them had kind of previewed, um, you know, especially American, uh, that the back half would be slower than the first half. Well, they are very sensitive to calling out their customers by name. I do think there has been a somewhat purposeful pullback by T-Mobile and the T-Mobile call. They, even Neville Ray, didn't deny it, kind of saying, listen, we're ahead of plan on the 600 and it is what it is. I do think that um, as we turn, as the calendar turns to 2020, this is just speaking, of course, to the domestic side of American and SBA's business, um, we will see a ramp. You know, a lot of my checks, kind of feet on the ground checks, would suggest that is the message coming from T-Mobile is with or without Sprint, you will see us continue to ramp spending. Braxton Carter, the CFO of T-Mobile, also noted that the first, um, you know, their CapEx capital expenditure spend 
tends to be front unloaded. So I do think that while we're kind of slower in the back half of 19, I think a lot of rosiness to appear in 2020, especially the early half. So generally across the board, if we're talking generality on the, the, the tower space that uh, it's, it's kind of muted as far as earnings go with the elephant in the room, the merger hanging over everybody's head. That's is that kind of accurate? That's thing? right. Yes, that's right. I mean, it, American had a little bit of noise with India too. Let's get to specifics. Uh, let, let's break down each one individually, and we can we can get to that. I mean, let's start with uh, since SBA was the latest, and I, I believe you're headed down to Boca Raton fairly soon, correct? We are. Yeah, we are headed out down there um, in mid-November. We're going to see um, Pyramid Towers. We're also going to see Vertical Bridge, and we're going to see SBA. So it should be a good use of time. SBA specifically, uh, what was your take on on their third quarter? I thought they did um, very well. Um, you know, this is this is a very well seasoned management team who very much know what they're doing. I think I've known Jeff Stoops for over fifteen years. Uh, you know, I think the big question for them is also the merger. Uh, that, um, but the the actual print itself was ahead of the street. They did, um, you know, benefit from very solid leasing from wireless carriers and actually realized the highest domestic growth, organic leasing growth year over year since the, I think, the second quarter of 2015. Um, But you're right. The merger is definitely kind of the overhang here. Stoops and Brendan Kavanaugh, the CFO, were very clear that once we kind of have a resolution, either way, they expect activity to, quote, pop. And, um, you know, I think that I would very much agree with that. They also bought, continue to expand internationally. They bought some South African towers uh, and continue to be very focused on expanding their overall portfolio. Right. So this is their first venture outside of North South America. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Uh, Now, you're also visiting... Uh, like you said, your vertical bridge and pyramid down there, and now they're not publicly traded companies. So, what what do you hope to to learn from from that? So, as you know, Vertical Bridge is the largest private tower company out there. Um, you know, I don't think they will have closed on Zao, but we do hope to see Mark Yancey, and it's very interesting to watch what he is accumulating. You know, he he and his team really have their hand in each. I'll call it broadband infrastructure honeypot. They own two data centers, uh, obviously very large macro. He's the chairman of Extinet, so has small cell exposure there, and then is building up a significant fiber asset through the purchase of Zayo. If you talk to Mark or Alex Gelman, they'll both want to talk uh, Eagles, Bears. So, uh, they're, they're both Philly guys. So Yeah, I don't like that. Be, be ready for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so American Tower recently announced as well. And again, you know, nothing, nothing spectacular there. You're talking about how the, how India is, I guess that's a long, long-term kind of picture for them. So did you see anything new and exciting with, with what's going on with America? Well, I think for, you really have to start with India. You know, they, there was a court ruling that came down in, on, I believe, October 24th. I won't go into all the specifics to that, but basically it's it's putting into real question the financial viability of some of the carriers if the government is asking have to is requiring them to pay the fees that they're asking them to do. This is a court case. It's my understanding that it's dated back 
I, I think 10, 10 years. So it was very surprising verdict. That said, on the other side of the coin, the government in India is very focused on pushing wireless infrastructure for really the simple reason that the broadband, the wired broadband infrastructure in the continent is so um, so light. So as you hear like Netflix and others talk about that their main part of their growth is going to come from India, that's really on the, the back of the wireless network. So I think American Tower felt it prudent, and I would agree, to lower their growth rate in India as they look into 2020. They haven't given formal 2020 guidance, but you really do have to start there. On the domestic side, um, you know, they continue to see kind of the same issues that others have, have seen. Um, their, their domestic organic billings growth was 7.1%, which was in line with our estimates. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I would expect not softness, but I, would, I think that would be a good number or slightly lower in the fourth quarter. Um, so overall, <clears throat> I would expect kind of similar to SBA and really Crown that we need to get beyond this merger since T-Mobile seems to be the main driver of any sort of pullback beyond where we can get a clearer picture for the domestic side. Right, right. Well, and speaking of Crown Castle, segues into our final of the big three we've been talking about here. Um, the picture was, I believe, when they announced a couple weeks ago that the domestic leasing was doing fine, but the uh, fiber side of the business was not not quite so sporty. Is that about right? The domestic side is fine, and but still same, seeing the same issues that others are seeing. They obviously have a lower organic growth rate than American. Crown is noteworthy because they're the only one of the three to give 2020 guidance. They always give the forward-looking guidance in the third quarter. The other two wait uh, till the fourth quarter, so late January. But for for Crown, it's, you know, I would say the fiber segment was okay. I mean, I, I think it's ironic that a year ago, everyone was worried that, you know, Crown would be overbuilt with fiber from anyone and their brother and small cells. And now what they're saying is Crown had to lower in the, um, second quarter print lowered their small cell goal from 10 to 15,000 to 10,000 this year. And it really is not a demand issue at all. It's rather kind of, I'll call it the red tape uh, issue or regulatory permitting, et cetera, that they're fighting. And in my way of thinking, which I would assume is somewhat glass half full, I think that actually very much highlights the high barrier to entry to get into the small cell business and very much vindicates what they've been saying all along. Now, recently you uh, had a, a session, uh, I forget where it was, but it was on, on CBRS. And you did mm -hmm. what, what's quote unquote a, a deep dive Yes. on on that. Uh, what what were the takeaways from that with that session? Because CBRS, let's face it, that's that's one of the one of the hot topics these days, and uh, uh, seems to be on everybody's mind. From even at the at the five G uh, centered talks out in LA at Mobile World Congress. So, what, what was your takeaway from the from the CBRS deep dive you did? Yep, we did it in New York um, in early uh, October, right on the heels of Federated Wireless's launch 
of the first commercial project product of CBRS. And the real genesis of this conference was because I kept seeing a disconnect between what all the quote unquote experts in the industry, you included, were writing and talking about CBRS, but my clients, Wall Street, really not focused what I thought was enough on it. And so I was trying to kind of bridge that gap. And I think that we kind of caused a lot of excitement. I think it's really interesting to watch, you know, 80, I heard this stat yesterday in, in DC, I think it, the number is 80% of all wireless traffic is deemed indoors. And yet Wi-Fi is often lacking. So as you look at how enterprises and carriers will approach this, CBRS I think is actually even more important than many of the topics that are getting the most focus, like C-band. You know, somewhat apples to oranges, but I feel like CBRS in my world hasn't been taken seriously enough. And I think as we see you know, on the heels of what Federated did in September, I think you see the pendulum very much begin to shift. The PAL auctions will be held next June, and it will be in most interesting to see if cable shows up in a big way. My strong guess is they will. And if you listen to any of the cable earnings calls, they almost were sounded like more wireless calls because wireless and their kind of more formal entry into wireless is very much a focus. I guess we can't depart. You talked a little bit about T-Mobile and Sprint, but we can't can't leave this conversation without talking about the elephant in the room, uh, the merger. Now, both carriers recently just had their their calls. Was there anything you saw in that that would indicate that something's happening or something's not happening? Sprint actually didn't have a call. They just reported earnings, so they ah. chose not to have a call. No, I mean, I think they really can't say much, to be honest. Um, you know, the only thing I've cautioned people is even though we've seen states like Florida, Mississippi settle, I would be a little cautious to get too excited there because it's my understanding, talking to many a lawyer, that if we get to September, or excuse me, December 9th, which is the date of the state trial, even if there is one state left standing and ha who has not settled, that trial if we're calling it a trial or hearing, will still happen. So I think that's important for your listeners that while there might be a lot of hope about this merger, and we're still pretty convinced this will get done, but I, it's worth noting that even though we see states like Florida, Mississippi settle, it's my understanding after talking to many a lawyer that even if there's one state, i.e. New York, left standing by December 9th, the date of this trial or hearing or whatever it's going to be called, that trial will still proceed to, regardless of how many states are involved. And I think that's important because I think a lot of people see like Mississippi and Florida and get very excited that this is going to be done and no trial will happen. And for some states like New York and California, I think it's become such a political hotbed that it's hard for me to see settlement occurring before that date. Okay. Yeah, I know Colorado just uh, sort of recused themselves. That's right. Jennifer, C-Band is uh, along, we're talking about hot topics. C-Band is, is uh, one of the other uh, big topics. And one of the things that sounds like the, the fate of 5G is, is resting on, on what happens with C-Band. So, so what, what is your take on that? Yes, this is almost the opposite of CBRS in that it's so talked about in my world that it's 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 extremely topical. And actually, I've come around to think we will get some news. The, remember, call that the FCC has said that they expect to make a C-band decision before the fall, 
is over. Now, technically, the fall, as I've been reminded by many of FCC staffers, goes till December 21st at midnight. And it's imp- I think we could start to see some headlines here, some important dates to note. Um, November 21st is when the FCC's agenda for their December meeting comes on, out. If C-band is on that day, on that agenda, for the t- December 12th meeting, I think that's a really important, optically positive uh, headline for the tower companies. Why? Because we're talking about a massive swath of spectrum, more than we've seen in several years. It could be as much as 300 megahertz. And <clears throat> even though that won't be really plug and play spectrum and usable right away, you would expect that AT&T, Verizon, US Cellular has been very vocal, and T-Mobile, I think, would also be there to buy a massive amount of spectrum when it becomes available. There's some chit-chat coming out of DC that they want to slip in this auction, which is likely to be through a private transaction, really following, I'd say, the C-Band Alliance, who I know you interviewed, um, part of their proposal but slip this in ahead of the CBRS auction, as I mentioned, in late June. So you have some pretty important headlines and news flow that you're going to have people like me saying, wow, if 300 megahertz of spectrum is coming to the market, that spectrum is only usable if you build it out. And that influences the tower companies. Now, I would say this is uh, 3.7 to 4.2 spectrum. Um, which we're now calling mid-band. If you rewind the calendar 15 months ago, I think we were calling this high band. This spectrum will most likely be most supported through small cells. Macros will play a role, but this really will be an important event for small cells. And I think an important event for Crown. So what what are the, the key events coming up then we need to we need to watch for that that's are going to tip us off on how this is going. Yeah, focus on these dates. November 21st, which will be the agenda release for the FCC's December meeting. Then, of course, the FCC's December meeting, which is December 12th in the last meeting of the year for them. And again, they so if they're going to get it done by the air quotes fall, that has to be at that meeting. And then I think the timing of the net, that when the actual procedure, whatever they propose, takes place. And what I'm hearing from my contacts is this will be done before the CBRS auctions, which are scheduled for late June. So, you know, the first half of next year is setting up to be an exciting news flow. Again, this spectrum is not usable right away, but it's an optically positive headline for the towers. Great. We will... uh try to stay on top of all of that. And it sounds like, yeah, we've got our collectively and respectively have our, our work cut out for us in the next few months, don't we? You do. We all do. <laughs> uh, fantastic. So uh, coming up, you have a investor conference out in Las Vegas. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. We are really excited. We're part this year. We've always done this in New York, and now we're being swooped up with the tech team. The, our, our media and tech team, and we're going to have about 24 companies. Uh, we're really doing it on the heels of the Amazon reInvent conference, which takes over Vegas, and we're doing ours at the Cosmopolitan the first week in December, December 2nd to 4th. And there we'll be having two heads of the AT&T and Verizon network, as well as CenturyLink, um, Extinet. Many other companies will be coming from our list, many of the private tower companies. 
uh, many of the private data center companies. So we're excited. It should uh, be a nice way to end the year. Wow, that, that sounds fantastic. I cannot wait to attend that and I'm looking forward to getting that invitation. <laughs> I, you know you're my favorite, but I wish press could come. Unfortunately, <laughs> there's people above my prey grade making that decision. Uh, if not invited, once again, to, to our listeners, uh, you should know that uh, the press never gets invited to, to all the good stuff, to the investor conferences. Let us know how it goes. I'm sure you will. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll, there sounds like there will be some terrific uh, insights coming from that. So we'll, we'll look forward to hearing that. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jim, and keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Jennifer Fritchie. Always a pleasure talking to you, and uh, we will uh, hopefully talk again down the road. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.